0: passage from the gospel from St. Luke during the time of Advent we we read about the story of uh, Mary's uh, response after the angel announced to her that she would be the mother of God she was in her home there in Nazareth this angel just like Appeared to her, and she was just doing her work and just minding her own business and sweeping and maybe reading the scriptures a bit. That's what they say. And this angel, luminous and bright and beautiful, appeared to her and told her she would be the mother of God. She didn't understand how that was compatible with what seemed to be a conviction that she would remain a virgin. Sometime earlier in her life, she had made that conviction because she, she said, "Wait a minute! I'm going to be, wait, I'm going to be the mother of the Messiah." I mean, uh, I thought, uh, I thought God wanted me to be a virgin. I had understood that, and the angel said, "The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you." And what will be born of you will be the Son of the Most High. He shall be great. He shall reign over his kingdom forever. She began to understand that she was going to be the mother of God, but that she would remain virgin. It was going to be through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the traditional account that we're all familiar with, the Annunciation. But immediately after that, After having understood the purpose of her life, after having a clear idea of the meaning of her life, it immediately engaged her in that trip where she went to visit her cousin St. Elizabeth, who was also mentioned by the angel. She she had now a singular focus, a clear understanding of her purpose. She could not leave this uh, for later. She could not procrastinate on this. It was an urgent task, and it was not an easy task now to make that trip. She couldn't just call an Uber, you know she, she had to do it herself. And that's when she went off, we are told, with haste. And so today we come to that moment when she arrived at her cousin Saint Elizabeth, and her Liz- and Elizabeth was was filled with joy at seeing Mary arrive. She didn't, have, she didn't know that she was going to arrive. She didn't send a, a message or anything. She just was not only happy to see her, but within her, she received this profound grace. And the child that she was pregnant with, John the Baptist, also leapt for joy. After that, we get a, an explosion of joy... In the Magnificat of our Blessed Mother. After hearing that praise from her cousin Elizabeth. Now how am I worthy, she said, Elizabeth said, that I should get the visit of the mother of my Lord. Why am I worthy to get that? And uh, Mary responded with that famous uh, hymn of jubilation. She said, my soul magnifies The Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. That's the famous Magnificat. Magnificat anima mea domino. uh, It's a rich canticle referring to the intervention of God in her life. And in fact, the church mandates that all priests recite this Magnificat in the evening uh, vespers. So we say it every day. Every day we reflect on this beautiful Canticle. that moment was truly a holy moment my soul magnifies the Lord that is God increases in me now it's, a, it's really a grace filled moment of anticipation of the coming of the Lord and, and that's what uh, Advent is supposed to be for us it's a moment of anticipation we see the poinsettias we see the lights in the streets. We see the Christmas trees. We see the different nativity scenes, usually with the baby Jesus missing. And it fills us with great anticipation. Even the Lord not has not arrived yet, we are anticipating. And this fills us with, with a kind of uh, a beautiful joy, a beautiful joy that is important to nurture within us. The joy of anticipation. Children love to anticipate Christmas. They just love it. Like they're wondering, okay, what am I going to get? Am I going to get this? Uh, you know? And um, I know in some homes, uh, at least in Germany, it's done like that. They, the, the parents cover up the, the living room with a big, large sheet so you can't look inside, you can't see anything. Once you come into the home and you see that sheet, you know something is very important is happening, and that underlines the anticipation. And sometimes you, you peek underneath, uh, but you're not supposed to you know, it's, you're not supposed to do that. I mean it's, you know that's a secret place now. And then at one point, the bell is rung, and you can come in, and you can see the beauty of uh, the living room with the, the candles on the, on the Christmas tree and the nativity seeds played out. And of course, all the gifts. Mm-hmm. It was really worthwhile. And with Mary singing that canticle of the Magnificat, is truly a holy moment. And uh, what what is a holy moment? You know, have you experienced that kind of holy moment? What is that? Mm-hmm. It's a holy moment. It's like a, it's in a moment of grace that that imbues the person, imbues us. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why uh, the Church wants us to remember this holy moment. In fact, that's why she wants priests to recite the Magnificat. There are so many composers that have made beautiful uh, you know, compositions of the Magnificat. They've used their genius, really, to sing it, to put it to music. You know, if, you were to, if you were to Google Magnificat... You would see such a long list of songs. If you were to search it in Spotify, you would see such a... I mean, you'd scroll, 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 scroll. And it was just, you know, Bach, Mozart, uh, you know, Tchaikovsky, uh, Palestrina. It just goes on and on and on and on. All these. And then the modern ones, you know. And um, it's it's just uh, so many uh, have wanted to express their joy, the same joy that Mary uh, experienced there. And for her, it was, a, it was like a, that Magnificat was like a collaboration with God in this holy moment. You know, a holy moment is a, is a single moment in which you truly open yourself to God. You open yourself to God. You make yourself available to Him. You set aside any personal preferences, any self-interest any seeking out of your own you know prestige or recognition any way to improve your standing and you do in that moment that holy moment what you profoundly believe God is asking you to do is calling you to do that is a holy moment and I pray that there be many of those holy moments in this coming year well starting now why not starting now if many of us were living these holy moments how different our life would be how different our families would be how different our children would be like mary we have to sing the magnificat that was a holy moment now it doesn't mean you have to start composing and you know your favorite magnificat and uh, you know, and singing the Magnificat by Bach or Mozart or Mendelssohn. But they, those holy moments are like tiny little collaborations that you can exercise with God. And what do they do? What happens when you live a holy moment at home, at school, at work? What happens when you say, Right now, Lord, I'm going to put aside my will, what I want, I'm going to do right now, in this very moment, what you're asking of me. It takes a little bit of focus. It takes a little bit of, of, of uh, reflection. Do you want me now to go and scroll on my Instagram through the death scroll? No. I'm going to put down my phone I'm going to help out at home now I'm going to help with the dishes Or I'm just going to go over to that annoying person And I'm going to say How are you today? Are you fine? That's good to hear I've been praying for you Even though it's only the time between going there And you know I mean, Still you, you were praying You were praying Holy moments What happens when you live that holy moment? One thing is Unleashed When you live a holy moment, you unleash pure, unmitigated joy. There's nothing that ensures joy so much as consciously doing what you profoundly believe to be the will of God. That is why the Magnificat is the song of joy. It's the result of her of her fiat, of her let it be done. Because it was the right decision to do what God wanted. Mary said, this is the Magnificat, this is what she said. Mary said, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. My, My spirit rejoices. How often today was your spirit rejoicing like that? For he has looked upon his lowly servant. From this day all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him. In every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm has scattered the proud. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. That's why it's not good to be proud. You're going to get scattered. It's not good to think that we know that we have it right, that we're always right, that we insist on our way. Because we're going to get scattered. We're going to get disillusioned. We're going to get, like, dispersed. She continues. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones. He has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich, he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of... Of his servant Israel, for he, has, he remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his children forever. Mary remained with Elizabeth about three months and then returned to her home. She was there joyfully expressing the result of her holy moment of doing what God had asked her, because it was the right decision. To say, let it be done unto me according to your word. And immediately after that, she knew she had to go and help uh, Elizabeth. That too gave her her joy, even though it was a taxing journey. It was a hard task. It was tiring. It was even dangerous. But coming there, you know, probably what rendered her so appealing was her profound joy. Not only was it her joy, but... The grace that she was filled with affected others. It was like a contagious joy that not only affected Elizabeth, but it affected the babe inside of Elizabeth, who did his first dance. He leapt for joy, or he quivered, or he. And that was because, of course, he was in front of Mary, and obviously because also he was in front of the child jesus in the womb of mary sometimes this scene especially in eastern icons is represented as these two women elizabeth and mary sort of facing each other the visitation and then you can see inside their wombs and you see john in a little like a little circle and then you see jesus in a little circle it's like it's like it should be used for the pro life movement i mean it's like you know john is like yes and Mary is peaceful and Jesus is in, inside Mary. Her fiat, her yes to God, brought joy. It was a decision to do what God wanted of her. It was a yes to that invitation. And we don't always say yes to God's invitation. We don't always say yes to those invitations which God invites us to say yes. Yes to Him, but no to ourselves, no to our comfort, no to our, our, we don't say no to our pride. We want to decide everything. But so often He's inviting us to collaborate in the work of His redemption, or His project of redemption. And that's why you know, to make good decisions is very, very important. We should not make decisions purely motivated by our emotions or how we feel in the moment or that are not inspired by wisdom and prudence or prayer. Our, our, our decisions have to be well thought out. And the beauty of a holy moment is that you stop. You think, what would be the best thing for me to do right now? What would make heaven right now rejoice? You decide, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and visit that person. I'm going to make that decision to go and say a part of the rosary. And in heaven they rejoice. They say, yes, she did it yes and you can imagine the angels and saints the news passes around heaven and everybody's saying did you hear the news she did it yes she offered the no sugar in her coffee oh yes 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 They're all, yes and then the crowds of heaven you know God inspires you to do something maybe hard maybe difficult and we gotta be wise we gotta be prudent we can't just make ever any decisions when we're mad, when we're anxious, when we're ticked off, when we're humiliated, when we have road rage. That's uh, not a good decision. <laughs> Don't talk to a policeman when you have road rage. So how are you going to make a decision? What's like a, which, how are you going to do it? Take a deep breath. And then, like I heard this guy say this, you could do this, you could stop, and then you advance 20, 30 years in the future. You go, you're go. you here now, okay, 2023. And then you go 2033, 20, 2043, 20, 2053. 20, okay, now you're in, 20, in Toronto, 2053, or wherever you might be. And then you consult the future self in 2053. Well, supposing that you're alive. I, I, I suppose you'll be alive. But, okay, you, you consult your future self. Or just, I mean, the Lord in, in prayer, you know. But uh, And you ask your future self now to look back at you now. And you ask your future self, uh, what do you think? Would you be happy looking back on me now? And I'm sure we've all looked at our adolescent self and said, oh my God, what, what was I thinking? You know? Well, that's it. You weren't thinking. You know? Imagine yourself years from now looking at at this moment now and You should honor what your future self has to advise you to do. Because certainly, almost certainly, that that future self, well, I hope that future self will have more wisdom. I hope. And since there's no time in God, well, you can always consult Him, right? So he, He knows what your future self will be like. And, of course, Mary gives the proper response to God, who has made his dwelling among men and women Mm -hmm. and of course who has made his dwelling in her flesh and in ours. That's why St. Luke presents her as the Virgin of Nazareth, as an icon of human freedom and of human uh, dignity. And. That's what we can ask her in these next days in particular as we, you know, we're going to go to the end of the year and people make resolutions of the new year and stuff. So, you know, we want to be able to magnify the Lord in our life. Give thanks to the Lord what He has done in our life. But it requires our own personal responsible decisions. Our responses first are not sloughing off these important decisions. These responses to God's love, to God's grace. Maybe we can decide now, I'm going to go to confession more regularly. I'm going to examine myself more regularly and ask the Lord for light about how I should change. I'm going to integrate into my life a more constant and stable plan of life. I'm going to read the Word of God. It's the Word of God. I have to have access to it regularly, every day. It means, you know, to make decisions with wisdom and prudence. It doesn't mean we have to be super intelligent mathematicians. Or engineers. Or know how to code language. It means that we simply have to integrate into our life a supernatural way of thinking. A supernatural way of making decisions. That's what we ask our Blessed Mother... So that she intercede for us. That we think in a supernatural way. And you know to, to see how uh, St. Josemaria framed this. There's a passage in The Way. Number 471. He said, referring to the apostolate. But it can be the whole Christian life. He said, in your apostolic undertakings. You are right. It is your duty to consider... What means the world can offer you 2 plus 2 equals 4. But don't forget ever that fortunately your calculations must include another term. God plus 2 plus 2. So all we are about is always 2 plus 2 is 4 in our decisions. Whether they are apostolic undertakings, whether they are, you know, Professional undertakings, undertakings in the families, any decisions that we have to make. If all we think is in human terms, 2 plus 2 is, well, 4, duh, we have to always add that fundamental element God plus 2 plus 2. And the number after that is like insane, it's infinite. See what Mary exalts at. She exalts in the lowly, in the humble. She exalts in the, those who are hungry. Maybe, you know, in our world today, we prefer not the lowly, not the hungry, not the humble, but the, we prefer the powerful. We prefer to have, like, influence. Today in our, in our uh, political world, yeah, in our political world, there's just an obsession with achieving power at any cost. We're in a great crisis because our politicians all over the spectrum are very, very focused on power. But power is very different from authority. True authority means your life can have impact. That means you have you have the authority of, you know, uh, of example. You have an ethical authority by the way you speak. A moral authority. There's power out there, but there's very little moral authority. Power does not convince people to change anything, but authority does. So we ask our Blessed Mother, as we pray the Magnificat today, I invite you to go and check it out. The Magnificat, My Soul Magnifies the Lord. Magnificat There must be a reason why the church requires her priests and the religious to pray the Magnificat every day in the Vespers. And Our Lady will help us to make this an opportunity to grow in wisdom, to grow in prudence. We have all the wherewithal to make very, very, very uh, informed decisions. We have to be patient. We have to pray. We have to integrate a plan of life and naturally that includes a devotion to the blessed mother she calls she's called the, our hope and she's called our, the seat of wisdom because on her sat the source of all wisdom our lord himself she was that seat she held him on her on her lap she's a seat of wisdom and she'll intercede for us so that we we'll make decisions this year this coming year and, and you know real good prudent and loving decisions with her intercession I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.